much for tuning in and welcome everyone i hope you're well i'm your host ben lively and you're listening to shaken awake episode number 63 i just wanted to thank you for tuning in with us today wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment uh, it means everything to me to share the messages that god has laid on my heart to share with you and as always I promise you another great show, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord, not just another podcast episode. And a quick ask, if you find value or you have found value in any of these episodes, would you take just 30 seconds, if that, after this show to go and submit a just a quick review or a star rating in, in the app? Uh, this is what potential listeners look for. I know I do when deciding whether to give the show a listen. So it's just it's just validation or confirmation from other listeners like you that it can also bring value to them. Would you do that for me if and only if you find value in these episodes? And then and for those of you that already have, and I had a few more this past over the past week, I simply cannot thank you enough. Um, and you know, spread the word. Pass, pass the link on to your friends or family or colleagues that the Lord prompts you to send to. There are so many people that need to hear these messages, but the scripture and God will see to it that it gets to them. And then he'll do the rest as he always does. So without further delay, let's get ready to invite God in with us right here, right now, and allow him to speak directly to your heart and mind. So today's topic is on are you attending or declining the wedding feast or the great banquet? So we're going to cover both these parables today. So let's start with the wedding feast. Okay, so we're on a series of parables. We're going to start with the wedding feast, which is Matthew 22, 1 to 14. And I'm going to use the ESV tr translation, um, starting at verse um or chapter 22, verse 1. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they wouldn't come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my ox and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and they went off. One to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. So the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers. And he burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he thought he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot 
and cast him into the outer darkness. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So Jesus told this parable of the wedding feast. Again, Matthew 22, 1 to 14. This parable is similar in some ways to the parable of the great banquet. And that's Luke 14, 15 to 24. But the occasion is different and it has some important differences. So to, to better understand the context of the story, it's important to know some basic facts about weddings in Jesus's day. Okay, so in Jewish society, the parents of the engaged generally drew up the, the marriage contract, okay? And the bride and groom would meet perhaps for the first time once this contract was signed. So the couple was considered married at this point, but they would separate until the actual time of the ceremony. The bride would remain with her parents and the groom would leave to prepare their home. And now this can, you know, take, it could take quite a while. And when the home was all ready, the groom would return for his bride without notice. The marriage ceremony would then take place and the wedding banquet would follow. So the wedding banquet was one of the most um, joyous events in Jewish life. And it could last for up to a week. So in his parable, Jesus compares heaven to a wedding banquet that a king had prepared for his son. Many people had been invited, but when the time for the banquet came and the table was set, those invited refused to come. It's in verses four to five. In fact, the king's servants who brought the the, the the message, the joyful message, they were mistreated and even killed in verse six. So the king, obviously furious at the response of, of those who had been invited, sent his army uh, to, to avenge the death of his servants. And that's in verse seven. And he then sent invitations to anyone his servants could find with the result that the wedding hall was filled. That's verses 8 to 10. So during the feast, the king noticed a man, quote unquote, who was not wearing a wedding, uh, was not wearing wedding clothes. Verse 11. So when asked how he came to be there without the uh, proper uh, attire, the man had no answer. And he was quickly, promptly, right, ejected. Uh, from the feast, quote unquote, outside into the uh, outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus then ends the parable with this statement. For many are invited, but few are chosen. That's verse 14. And in saying that, its meaning is that many people hear the call of God coming through uh, his revelation of himself through creation and the preaching of the word. But only the few will respond because they are the ones who are truly hearing. Jesus said many times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's a couple references, Matthew eleven fifteen, Mark 4 to 9, Luke 8, 8, and Luke 14, 35. The point is that everyone has ears, but only a few are listening and responding. Not everyone who hears the gospel receives it, but only the few who have ears to hear. The many hear, but there's no interest. Right or or there's there's outright opposition toward God. Many are called or invited into the kingdom, but none are able to come on their own. God must draw the hearts of those who come; otherwise, they won't. 
and reference John uh, 6.44 for more on that. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Okay? The new has come. God creates life. He grants repentance and he gives faith. Man is totally unable by himself to do these things. But these are the things that are absolutely necessary to enter the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians 1 and 4 to 6 is, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glory, glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, Jesus. Salvation is by God's will and pleasure for his glory. Another is John 6, 37 to 39, and then 44 to 45. All that the Father gives me will come to me. This is Jesus. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise them up at the last day. It's, it's written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. So all of God's quote-unquote chosen will be saved without exception. They will hear and respond because they have spiritual ears to hear the truth. Right? God's power makes this uh, certain. Romans 8, 28 to 30 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, loved, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So how do we know if we're among the few that have ears to hear? I hear that a lot. I ask the same thing. By responding to the call. Assurance of this certain call, this this chosen call, is from the Holy Spirit. So consider, you know, uh, Philippians 1 to 6, which says, being confident of this, that he, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose it's Philippians 2 12 to 13 if we listen with our spiritual ears and respond to the the invitation there will be fear and trembling in our souls as we recognize that it was God's work in us that caused our salvation okay I don't hear this in church I never, it's right there in the Bible, right in front of our noses, our whole lives, it's right there. 
So let's not, you know, let's 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 just move to the parable of of this this great banquet, which is found in Luke 14. 15 to 24. It's it's similar to the parable of the wedding feast, but with some uh, some differences. Luke 14, 15 to 24. Again, I'm using the ESV translation. So starting in uh, verse 15, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to them, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, um, a man and him is Jesus, okay? But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything's now ready. But they all began alike to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and there's still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So the king is God the Father. And the son who is honored at the banquet is Jesus Christ, who, quote unquote, came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That's John 1.11. Israel held the invitation to the kingdom within, you know, when the time actually came for the kingdom uh, to appear, and that's referenced in Matthew uh, chapter 3, verse 1, they refused to believe it. Many prophets, including John the Baptist, had been murdered. Matthew 14, uh, 10 for that. The king's retaliation against the murderers can be uh, inferred as a prophecy of Jerusalem's destruction in AD 70 at the hands of the Romans. So check out Luke 21.5 for that. So more specifically, the king's revenge speaks on the desolation mentioned in the book of Revelation. God is patient, but he will not tolerate wickedness forever. Check out Obadiah chapter 1 verse 15 for that. His judgment will come upon those who reject his offer of salvation. We know that. So considering what that salvation cost Jesus is not this judgment that is well-deserved. So see uh, Hebrews 10, 29 to 31. Is the judgment not well-deserved? Of course, it absolutely is. It's a perfect judgment. Note that it's not because of the invited guests could not come to the wedding feast, but that they would not come. And that's Luke 13 to 34. Everyone had an excuse. How tragic, how indicative, right, of, of human nature to be offered the blessings of God and to refuse them because of the stupid, mundane things. This might be striking a nerve with many of you. This speaks directly about me, first 41 years of my life. The wedding invitation is extended to anyone and everyone, total strangers, both good and bad. I was very bad. Evil. Evil. 
This refers to the gospel being taken to the Gentiles. So this portion of the parable is a foreshadowing of the Jews' rejection of the gospel in Acts 13. You know, Paul and Barnabas were in uh, Pisidia and Antioch, where the Jewish leaders strongly opposed them. And the apostles' words echoed the kingdom's, uh, sorry, the king's estimation of that those invited to the wedding, quote unquote, did not deserve to come. We had to speak the word of God to you first, they said. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Acts 13, 46. The gospel message Jesus taught would be made available to everyone. So the matter of the wedding garment is instructive. It would be a total insult to the king to refuse to wear the garment provided right, to the guests at that time. The man who was caught wearing his own clothes learned what what an offense it was, and he was removed from the celebration. This was Jesus's way of teaching the failure of self-righteousness. From the very beginning, God has provided a covering for our sin. So to insist on covering ourselves is to be dressed in what we call filthy rags, like it says in Isaiah 64, 6. Adam and Eve, They tried to cover their shame, but they found their fig leaves to be pretty scant. God took away their handmade clothes and he actually replaced them with the skins of sacrificed animals. That's Genesis 3, 7 and Genesis 3, uh, 21. And so in the book of Revelations, we see those in heaven wearing white robes, as it states in Revelation 7, 9. And we learn that the whiteness of the robe is due to their being washed in the blood of the lamb. That's in verse 14 of Revelation 7. So we trust in God's righteousness, not our own. Philippians 3.9 backs me up on that. So just as the king provided wedding garments for his guests, God provides salvation for mankind. Our wedding garment is the righteousness of Christ. Unless we have it, we're going to miss the wedding feast. And when the religions of the world are are stripped down to their basic doctrines or belief, we either find man working his way to God or we find the cross of uh, Christ. The cross is the only way to salvation. And it backs backs me up at John 14, 6. For his crime against the king, this this, this, uh, improperly attired guest is thrown out into the darkness. Because they're crimes against God. There will be many who will be condemned to outer darkness. And that is existence without God for eternity. Christ ends with the parable with the sad fact that many are invited, but few are chosen. In other words, many people hear the call of God, but only a few follow it. So to summarize the point of the parable of the wedding feast, God sent his son into the world and the very people who should have celebrated his coming, rejected him, bringing judgment upon themselves. And as a result, the kingdom of God was opened up to anyone who will set aside his own righteousness and by faith accept the righteousness that God provides in Christ. And those who, you know, push away the gift of salvation and cling instead to their own good works, quote unquote, will spend eternity in hell. Right, The self-righteous Pharisees who heard this parable did not miss Jesus' point because in the very next verse, the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. 
That's Matthew twenty two fifteen. So the parable of the wedding feast is also a warning to us to make sure that we are relying on God's provision of salvation, not on our own good works or uh, religious service. Okay, this parable was told at a dinner that Jesus attended. Jesus had just healed a man with dropsy and taught a brief lesson uh, lesson on serving others. And Jesus then says to those who serve others, will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. That's Luke 14, 14. At the mention of the resurrection, someone at the table with Jesus said, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. It's verse 15. In reply, then Jesus tells the parable of the great banquet. And in this parable, guys, the excuses are the same then as they are today. Do you you understand and recognize that? One after another, the guests made excuses for not coming. One had just bought a piece of land, said they had to go see it in verse 18, right? Another had purchased some ox and, 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 and said he was on his way to yoke them up and try them out, verse 19. Another gave the excuse as to why he was, or, or the fact that he was uh, newly married and therefore couldn't come, verse 20. These are all today's excuses. Maybe some different medium, you know, instead of oxen, maybe it's uh, just bought a new car or boat, gonna go check it out. Uh, some land, just bought a new house. Um, we're busy with that. Just got married. We're going to go have some fun. Just all, yesterday's excuses or today's. So when the master of the house heard, heard these weak excuses. He was angry. So he told his servant, forget the guest list. Go back in the streets and the alleys of the town and invite what? The poor, the crippled, and the blind and the lame. And the servant had already brought in the homeless town people. And there was still room in the banquet hall. This is the same thing that's happening right now as you're listening to this. So the master sent a servant on a bigger search. Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so my house will be full. Some of those are you and I. Do you understand that? Amazing grace saved a wretch like me and you. Jesus ends the parable by relating the master's determination that Not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. That's verse 24. The statement that prompted the parable is key. The man who, uh, in, in verse 15, looks forward to dining in the Messianic kingdom probably believed... The, uh, the, the popular perception that only Jews would be part of the kingdom. The parable Jesus tells is aimed at discrediting that notion as the, the, the explanation I'm about to give makes crystal clear. The master of the house is God, okay? The great banquet is the kingdom. It's a metaphor that was suggested by the speaker at the table, The invited guests pictured the Jewish nation, right? The kingdom was prepared for them. But when Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near, remember that? That's Matthew 4, 17. He was rejected. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. John 1, 11. The excuses for skipping the, the, the banquet are pathetic and poor. No one buys land without seeing it first. The same can be said for buying ox. And what exactly would keep a a newly married couple from attending a a, a social event? All three of these excuses in the parable reveal just the the insincerity on the part of those invited. 
So this, this interpretation is that the Jews of Jesus's day had no valid excuse for rejecting Jesus's message. In fact, they had every reason to accept him as their Messiah. And the detail that the invitation is opened up to societies damaged and broken is very important. These were the types of people that the Pharisees considered unclean and under God's curse. And it, it goes more into that on in uh, John 9, 1 to 2, and John uh, chapter, of, of, uh, chapter 9. Jesus taught that the kingdom was available even to those considered unclean. And that's in Acts 10. So his, Jesus' association with uh, tax collectors and sinners brought condemnation from the Pharisees, yet it showed the extent of God's grace. More of that on in Matthew 9, 10 to 11. The fact that the master in the parable sends the servant far away to persuade everyone to come indicates that the offer of salvation would be extended to the Gentiles and quote unquote to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1 8. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Romans 15 10. So the master's not satisfied with a partially full banquet hall. He wants every place at the table to be filled. I love this. John MacArthur, right? John MacArthur's comment on this fact is that, this is what he says, God is more willing to save sinners than sinners are to be saved. Wow. So those who ignored the invitation of the banquet chose their own punishment. They missed out. The master respects their choice by making it permanent. They would not, quote unquote, uh, quote unquote, taste of my banquet. And so it will be with God's judgment on those who choose to reject Christ. They will have their choice confirmed and they're never going to taste the joys of heaven. So the basic message of the parable of the great banquet could be stated this way. You know, the tragedy of, of, of the, the Jewish rejection of Christ has opened the door of salvation to the Gentiles. The, the blessings of the kingdom are available to all who will come to Christ by faith. And the addition of the Gentiles is a fulfillment. And it's a fulfillment of Hosea 2.23, where it says, I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance, as it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's Romans 10, 13. So before we wrap up, I just want to encourage you all to reflect on both of these parables. Read them. Reflect on them. Use the Bible as a mirror, not just a sword. What can you learn from these two parables in particular that will become a stepping stone for your life and for living a life worth living for him? So he leaves these in your hands to take seriously and obey. After all, one day he only says, well done, my good and faithful servant, to those who actually were. So before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in and I hope you were touched by today's message in scriptures and if you'd like to reach out to me please call me directly at 
3208. You can email me at ben at shaken hyphen awake.com or check out the show at shaken hyphen awake.com. So until next time, take great care of yourself and each other and God bless you all. 